We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Jack Ramsey's Danny Morang, Brandon Sprague, as always, joined by Jeremy Wu of Sports Illustrated. Jeremy, man, thank you for joining us. We're here to have you talk about some NBA draft coverage. Obviously, you've been, like you said, traveling the country. Uh, this is normally your wind-down time, so again, thank you for joining us. We're obviously got the uh, NBA play-in starting tonight. The NBA draft is, what, 60 days away. The NBA draft lottery is 34 days away now, so... Uh, all that work you've done over the uh, past year, I think, is kind of coming. Is it ever like it doesn't really ever end for you, right? Yeah, no, it <laughs> definitely um, has become kind of a year-round thing. Like there, are, you know, bits and pieces of the schedule where you can take a break, but there's like always something else going on. Like there's AAU happening right now. Like I'll have to go on the road and go watch some high schoolers uh, in a couple weeks. But um, you know, it's a, it's kind of what you make of it. Like if you if you enjoy it, it's not quite as, as as stressful as it can be so what's what's the cutoff jeremy what's the cutoff for somebody texts jeremy hey there's this prospect out there and then they tell you he's in eighth grade like what's your cutoff of caring about the talent uh, i try to wait until guys are at least in high school okay all right um so like you know 14 15 is like the earliest i think that anyone should be bothered and even even then it feels kind of early because you know we've seen these things can can change yeah. um so i right. i'm not someone who is going to overhype a player or hype a player at all when they're that young. But I, I will go see a player if it's mm -hmm. worth it. So Shabazz Muhammad every now and then will come up. With, you know, <laughs> I know Jay, I know Jay Mayo. <laughs> hey, come on, man. Why, hey, he was why, good for a while. Why, why am I yeah, Trojans right. catching strays? He was on ESPN in eighth grade. Like that was yeah. a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the reason why we have you here is the Portland Trailblazers are likely to have a pretty decent pick here in the NBA draft. Maybe two. 
Uh, chances of them using that second one are slim to none, but hey, uh, weirder things have happened. Uh, just kind of frame this up and kind of give an idea of, of where you stand with this NBA draft, this current crop. What does your big board look like when we're looking at basically the top seven? Sure, yeah. Um, so ba- basically, um, you know, for me, Jabari Smith is number one. Uh, that has been the case for me pretty much all season. Uh, I moved him there in December after, after I went and saw him play. Um, you know, to me, he's the guy who I would be most afraid to not draft. Um, so I have him one, uh, and I'm, I'm constantly kind of, you know, I've been kind of trying to decide how I feel about the next group. Um, I, I think Ben Caro is probably two for me right now. Um, I've been going back and forth between Ivy and Holmgren at three and four. Um, and then my, um, on, on the last big board in February, my five, six, seven was Johnny Davis, Tegan Murray, Shaden Sharp. Um, and then I really like Dyson Daniels. I have him at eight. So oh. like, I'm still kind of like tinkering with that group. Um, okay. But th- that that's, you know, those will be my top eight players probably in some order. Yeah, Jeremy, I think everybody in Portland, like obviously we'd love the number one overall pick, but like if Portland, let's say gets two and your big board number one goes one, Jabari's pick number one to Detroit or whoever, if, if I, you're, you're right up on, on Paolo was interesting because I think a lot of us out here saw him play and I saw him throughout the season here and there, and he was kind of inconsistent, but he really put it together for the tournament. I, I found an interesting nugget from your, your write up on SI about Paolo of basically like, if you don't have a stretch five, it's going to be really difficult. Now, Joe Cronin, their general manager is basically saying we're taking the best player skill wise. How do you think Paolo Bancaro would fit? alongside a use of Nurkic, who's not really known as a stretch five. Yeah. Um, well, I think in Portland's case, like, I think, I think if you're there too, I think he's probably good enough that you can put the cart before the horse uh, and you can take him. Um, I think the one thing with, with Paolo is he can play out of so many different spots on the floor. Uh, he's skilled. So like, I do think that there's a little bit of like fungibility and early in his career as far as like, yeah, you know, it might not be perfect right now, but he's good enough. You know, Nurkic probably won't be there in the whole, the whole, you know, the very long run. Right. So like, I think you can deal with it um, and you can try to, you know, keep him on, you know, pair them with another guy, depending on how you rotate. Um, so I, I think he's good enough. And I guess particularly in Portland situation where it, the vibe seems to be, and correct me if I'm wrong, it seems to be like, they're going to keep trying to win, right. Like with yeah. Dame as long as they can. Right. So like if that's the the MO and you're trying, you know, and you are it too, and you're just like, who can we take that's gonna help us right now and also be a piece? Uh, I think Paulo is probably the guy who I'd feel safest about. Um, you know, Ivy isn't gonna fit with Lillard and you know, Chet, I think, is more of a guy who you're hoping is really good in two or three years. He's probably as a rookie, he'll probably have his moments, but I just I think until he gets stronger, it's just gonna be tough for him to, you know, consistently be an impact player, uh, which I think we saw manifest this year at Gonzaga, right? So like mm-hmm. Um, I think I would be okay with that for them, but yeah, I mean, and, and again, it, the other variable here is if he does shoot well and he does iron that out, then it, you know, and he does space the floor, then it, you know, changes what you can do with him and it really opens things up for him. So. You kind of, quasi answered this question already with, with your framing of, of Jabari. Um, I, I'm a Jabari Smith truther. <laughs> you and I have talked <laughs> a little bit about him, uh, back and forth on Twitter, um, as I, I'm getting my profiles ready to kind of go into this, I went back and watched the, uh, the late February Tennessee game. And there's a there's a possession where he has, gets bailed out, or he has to bail out their entire offense, uh, where he just kind of goes into a cross after after a, a DHO that kind of goes sideways, and he just lets loose the most obscene six foot ten three pointer I've ever seen, 
from a guy not named Kevin Durant, and it's cash, and it's just something where yeah. his footwork's a disaster. He's got a, two defenders closing out on him, and he makes it look simple. And when I see something like that, it it harkens out to a generational talent if the other stuff hits. But when you're looking at him potentially, if Portland, let's say Portland magically lands that number one overall pick, is there a better place for him to land than Portland? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know if I've really thought about it like spot by spot. Cause like in my mind, I just think whoever gets the picture, just take him and deal with it. <laughs> you um, figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, um, but no, I do think that's a pretty good, um, a pretty good spot just in terms of like immediate basketball fit, just because they do have such a void, uh, you know, at the four right now. Uh, and also just the lack of size on the roster. I mean, mm-hmm. if you want to even take it that far, I mean, they they have a lot of like combo forwards and, you know, I didn't watch a ton of them this year, but I know like Trenton Watford and Greg Brown were getting minutes and those guys are, you know, preferably not going to be in the rotation if you're trying to win. Right. So uh, I do think that he does make a ton of sense, um, you know, for them uh, and does fill a lot of different needs. When, when you talk to people that are in, in your, in your job, like when you're traveling a lot and you're talking to people, these camps and these tournament games, I'm curious, you love Jabari. What's the argument for somebody else that kind of makes you second guess it even just a little bit or, or maybe opens your mind to the possibility of somebody else at one. Sure. Yeah. So this is going to be, this is kind of interesting. Um, I don't know that I've ever heard anything that I thought was like super convincing. Um, but I do think that like the, the player who I've been like, uh, maybe like I've thought about it hard when someone has mentioned this and it's not like I've heard like an impassioned case for this, but, but Ivy is the one who I'm like, you know, in terms of the upside, like if he does ever figure it all out and like, the switch flips like in the best way possible. Like that's the guy who I'm like, yeah, you know, I can, I'll understand this. And maybe it's just because he plays a different position. It's easier to think about it. Just like when you put to me, when you put Jabari up against Paolo and Chet, um, I just think the upside is, is better and he's younger and he has the elite skill with the shooting and he can hitch it too. Right. And it's just like, he's gonna, you know, I, I spent some time with him. I did a story on him. So I feel pretty good that he's going to continue to get better. And he really loves basketball and he, loves competing and all that stuff. Um, I think that all bodes well. Um, so, but, but with Ivy, I think you just, he's so good physically um, that if he ever slows the game down, uh, obviously he would have to add like a ton of stuff, but like, you know, the upside is, is there that I'll understand the argument. Like people have him, you know, one or two, I don't think it's totally insane. Um, so that's what I'd say. When you look at Jabari, obviously his shot profile and his, and his shot making ability is what obviously is the big selling point. But defensively, one of the things that I noticed with him is, especially for a kid that's so young, he he does well. He acquits himself well in the college game. How well it translates to the NBA is going to be interesting. Positionally, is he just a four, or is he a, a, a super big three or even a small ball five? If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? 
you won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, um, I think that's a good question, uh, but also like, it's a good thing that we're asking that, right? Because mm-hmm. he has, he has some versatility. Um, I think it probably depends more on like who he guards, like, you know, if he can guard some wings, which he probably will be able to. Um, and you could say maybe he's, you know, a three where you could play super big and have, you know, a skilled four or whatever with him. Like, I think the amount of different stuff um, that you can conceivably try with him uh, is part of what makes him so interesting um right so uh it wouldn't i don't know if he's really a five in the best case but at least he's big enough and like is gonna at least try where you know if you want to play small and not have a rim protector and go five out he can probably do that too Mm -hmm. so uh, i think those are all you know valid things i mean in terms of offensive usage um i mean it all kind of depends on you know obviously how much of a handle he adds and people you know critique that and i think that's a fair you you know you have to at least acknowledge it right he's not um, doesn't have a complicated set of dribble moves, but I also think we sometimes overrate that that skill set because like, you have to be really, really good for that to matter. Um, I would rather have the guy like Jabari, who I'm, I know is going to be really good at making shots, and hope that he can add some of that stuff. Because like when you're big and you can shoot, you can kind of stack things on. But like you know, whereas Paolo already has the handle and he can do all that stuff, but like the end product is sometimes missing. Yeah. And I, I'm pretty sure he's never going to be as good of a shooter as Jabari is. Um, you know. Jeremy, it's interesting. You, the Jabari Paolo stuff. I'm curious. The one guy we we still haven't really touched on, Chet. And you you talked about two three year weight, put on some weight. He's he's a very polarizing player to a lot of people. Um, you know, when you evaluate, except him, to Ben Gulliver, who loves him on about well, except to Ben Gulliver, who does love him a lot. <laughs> when when you evaluate Chet, your your thoughts are like, if you're a fan of a team that's drafting Chet Holmgren, where are you at? Are you excited? Are you a little nervous? Like, where you ultimately come down on Chet Holmgren? Yeah. I mean, if I'm a fan, I, I guess it kind of depends on, um, you know, what you read versus what you're, you're watching. Like, I think to me, and I just say this objectively, like as someone who does my job, like I think there's probably been some dissonance between the way he's been hyped. And then when you watch the games, like what he's actually doing, like, so I, you know, I try to, to do my best to like actually write about what I'm seeing uh, when I'm doing it. So uh, I, I, I just think he, you know, I don't think he's a seven foot guard, like, I just don't think it's going to happen. His foot speed is not good enough. 
uh, for that to work. Uh, you can't, that's okay though. Like, can he still be pretty good? Yeah. Like, I, I think it's it's just such a unique player that it's hard to talk about. You don't want to say something that's, that's going to sound stupid in five years if he ends up being really good. Like, I think <laughs> I think part of it is people are afraid of like getting old take exposed uh, mm-hmm. with, with chat. Like, and some people aren't, but then the people who aren't sometimes it tends to be a really reductive take. Like, oh, he's too, you know, like just saying he's too skinny, like blanket is like a little bit missing like the nuance of it. Uh, although I do think it's a factor, right? Like, and this is something that I've been writing and thinking about. It's just like part of why Chet is so tough is because his body type is a big part of why he's so good. So it's like, mm-hmm. it, you know, you can't like, whether you're trying to argue for him or against him, it would be wrong to like extract that piece of it from how you're evaluating him. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, like, you can't discount the right? fact that he, the guy that big can move is because Right, he's... like, and some people are like, oh, his stats are so good. But it's like, yeah, but like, look, anyone who says that the West Coast Conference is the same thing as the Big Ten, like, you know that you are not telling the truth. Like, you're just not. <laughs> right, um, right. right, so like, and, and to me, you know, that argument about the level of competition, and I've also written this a couple times, but it's not about the rating of the team they're playing or like the ranking. It's, it's literally just like, who are the bigs that he is matching up with and like how does he deal with that right like it's that's really all you have to watch like the other shit doesn't matter like we're not scouting for the nba based off like you know the rankings of the teams that are playing each other it's it's you know what what is he dealing with and how does he handle it and uh you know i just i found that you know in a lot of, a lot of times when they're playing better teams it felt like you know defensively he was pretty consistently there but there were games where he just kind of like went away offensively. Mm-hmm. And again, I it's I don't know how much of that was Gonzaga, obviously having your Timmy and guys who you can play through and Nemhard where mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. you'd rather have those guys like have the reins of the offense. Uh, but there were also times where Chet like didn't really look to score and didn't attack and couldn't create his own shot. And uh, I think that's something that I'm having a hard time with. And I think that's, you know, if you're talking about his upside, it's really going to be tied to how good is he going to be offensively, right? Because if he's just this, it's he could still be pretty damn good as a you know screener who can pass and hit threes. Uh, but we're still talking about a guy who's more or less a true big, and it's just ironic because you know all that's a lot of what's been said about Chet's like, oh, he's this positionless thing. But I just I personally don't know that he is. I think he's a big. Um, so you know if you're going to use him like Porzingis, he can still be a pretty good player. Uh, but is that like a transcendent number one pick level prospect? Yeah. To me, it's not. Um, and that's just my opinion. It's almost like you're 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 kind of good at this because you set me up with the transition here talking about the Big Ten and scoring ability, and that's if Portland doesn't land a top four pick, there's a strong likelihood that another power forward who acquitted himself incredibly well this season as a sophomore, Keegan Murray, is going to be available. Uh, when you look at Murray, uh, obviously he dominated the Big Ten this year. He was incredibly impactful, twenty four and nine a game. Uh, showed that he could score on multiple levels, facilitate, knock down from the outside, uh, finished inside the three-point line. Just really well-rounded offensive game with some defensive versatility, at least in college, um, which eh, maybe didn't look as quite as great in the NCAA tournament. But when you look at at Keegan Murray and his potential fit in the NBA, I hate doing this, but I I, it, I think it helps frame it. When you when you watch his game, who does he remind you of recently of the NBA, if of of if anybody? Yeah. Um... So that's a tough one. I don't think I have like an exact great one, um, but the one that I've used uh, a little bit is John Collins in terms of like that, maybe not the exact, it's not going to look the exact same, but like maybe that level of production, mm-hmm. uh, that level of player, like I think that's a pretty good player, right? I mean, you know, John Collins is always in trade rumors, but he's still going to produce, right? And so like, I think Keegan, um, I, I say that sort of in the way where, yeah, you know, he's an offense first four uh who can do a lot of different stuff i think he probably has a better sense of like who he is than collins does because 
obviously Keegan is a little bit older, but he's coming into the NBA, like already being able to do some of this stuff. Whereas mm-hmm. I think Collins, it was like he got there and he wanted to experiment and wanted to stretch himself. And that's sort of some, some of the areas where Collins has struggled is like figuring out what that needs to be, right? Like in terms of his shot selection and thinking he could be more. Uh, Keegan, it's interesting because, um, you know, I, I was pretty high on him uh, last year coming out of Iowa. But back then it was like, oh, he's like a really interesting defensive prospect who, mm-hmm. uh, you know, can do stuff on offense. And now it's interesting that, you know, the narrative is kind That's of flipped, flipped where now it's like, oh, he's a really good offensive prospect, which clearly he is. Uh, and now people are questioning his defense. So, like, you know, I, I think he's um, a pretty safe pick. Like, I just, I think having a four who can kind of you know, play in different spots and kind of switch around a little bit and, uh, you know, this is going to produce, like, that's pretty valuable. I mean, look at look at Scotty Barnes, what he did as a rookie, obviously much younger. Uh, probably, you know, definitely, I would say now, we know, you know, now a better prospect than, than Murray. But uh, just that if he does that type of role where he's kind of, like, able to, you know, do several different things on offense and produce and rebound. You know, I mean, that's, that's a pretty good player who I think is going to be able to uh, contribute early. Um, so that that's one I don't think is like worth overthinking, but it just, you know, again, it's, you have to need a player who's going to, and you, the, the factor uh, factoring in him playing immediately probably needs to be a, a factor in why you take him, you know, top mm-hmm. five or six. In Portland, Jeremy, um, I, I think everybody's hoping they get that top five, top four pick. But in the in the off chance that they're just on the outside of that and they kind of stay around where they're at right now, which is sixth or, you know, let's say seven or eight even, I, I'm curious. There's been a lot of talk. Would they trade that pick? Their GM basically said, depending on what's available, we're open-minded to it. How many picks would you say? Like, what's the threshold where if we were to ask you, like, hey, Portland could look at taking a, a swing on a guy like Keegan, like Ben Matherin, like A.J. Griffin. Or even Sohan, for, for or, that respect. Right, or you could look to acquire, I don't know, fill-in-the-blank veteran player who could John probably. <laughs> let's use John Collins. Like, <laughs> what's, I'm curious what the threshold is in the draft for you. Like, mm. after pick what, it's probably worth examining trading the pick versus keeping it and taking a swing on some of these younger players. Right. I mean, look, I mean, I, I'm sure they'll look at everything, right? I mean, if they, if they have, um, uh, you know, their own pick and then, you know, assuming they get the, you know, the Pelicans pick, whatever it is, like 11 or 12 or whatever that ends up being. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think anytime you have two lottery picks, you're going to look at moving up, moving back, like moving down, like whatever you, you know, there's always a lot of options. I think they're going to have uh, some leverage to kind of do what they want here uh, on, on the trade market, um, which is a good thing. Um, as far as like, you said like how many picks would it take for me to be like we should probably trade it like it's hard yeah, to say because like, I, I just don't know what the market's going to be so i i don't know for sure um but i i do think like it's just such an interesting spot to be in because um you know they could just as easily be like hey we're going to take you know two teenagers and just really build and uh you know maybe trade lillard but again it's that situation seems to be sort of dictated more by him uh which kind of puts them in a tough spot um and yeah, like I do think there are guys who are going to be able to contribute right away, uh, who would still be good pieces. And if we're talking about those guys, I mean, and who, who fit well, I mean, Murray's one of them, uh, again, Dyson Daniels, I really like, I think he is going to be able to contribute early, uh, and Sohan, and again, he's versatile. I think he'd probably help, um, math and I'm probably be able to play right away. I really like Johnny Davis, but he doesn't really fit as well with, with Portland. Um, and even like Shaden Sharp total toss up, maybe not the guy, but also like the upside might be big, big enough that if he's there at six, he moves, we'll just take him and see. Um, so I, I don't think it's a bad draft. Like I think the top 10, there's, you know, 10, 11, 12 
guys yeah. who are pretty good. So, okay. Again, you're 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 pretty good at this at setting me up. So, Shaden Sharp <laughs> obviously is the clear unknown after not playing at Kentucky this year. Um, athletic profiles off the charts, which is something that Joe Cronin and Chauncey Billups have wanted to get towards. They want to get bigger, stronger, longer, more athletic, and Sharp's measurables and, and the limited to, uh, uh, open practice runs that, that have been open to media members and such um, haven't been great, obviously. But when you look at him and you're projecting him, how, how NBA-ready do you think he can be? Because Portland, while having a gaping hole at the four, they also have one of the three. And I, as much as I, they have not been able to replicate anything close to LaMarcus Aldridge's production <laughs> since he's left this organization. <laughs> they need to, to fill that hole. They also haven't had a three that was remotely capable since Nicholas Batum. And you got to really go back to Brandon Roy before they had an impact wing um, that was really of consequence. Is Shaden Sharp, when you look at his uh, projection, his, his profile, and I'm not even talking the highest end of the curve. I'm talking little outside of the bell curve here. How how well does he project as an NBA wing, uh, two three, being bigger, bigger, longer, uh, longer wingspan kind of guy? Do you, do you see him as being a starter capable kind of guy within two years? Yeah, um, I mean that's really hard to answer, um, just because we have obviously we haven't seen him play, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean that's the that's the rub, I guess. Um, you know, I've gone back and so I, I saw him play. I was at. Pete Shaman, you know, last summer. So I watched him play a couple times. That was the last time he played, right? Publicly? Um, yeah, yeah. So then I was going back um, the other day and looking at some of his his film from some of those games. And yeah, I think it's it's going to be pretty easy to like for people to watch the tape and understand the ways in which like the things he's good at might translate. Um, mm. I view him more as a two than a three, but it's kind of interchangeable. But just he doesn't have, he's not like a hulking, like big, gigantic wing. You know, he's not mm-hmm. six eight. He's not six eight. He's more like six five, six four, six five. So, like, um, you know, I guess that's a factor. Um, but just like, I guess the ease with which he can kind of get to his his jumper. And, you know, if you assume he's eventually going to make some shots, which I think, you know, he's streaky, but I think he'll probably do it. Um, I mean, that's a pretty good and enticing thing. Um, you know, athletically, he's really good needs to get to the rim more um to your question like i think it's probably going to take him some time not only because he's a little bit behind the eight ball in terms of actual minutes uh competitive minutes but also just the fact that he seems to be so jumper friendly um seems to settle a bit those are the type of guys that often take longer to learn how to be efficient um so like that may not necessarily be the answer um if you're like hey who can we you know for portland like who is gonna you know check the box of help now and also be a piece you know whenever we do transition to the next you know phase of the franchise like i don't know if he's that but again the upside might be big enough that a he could be off the board when they're picking uh, or mm-hmm. and b you know it might be worth just just taking him anyway um you know how he fits with simons would be interesting to uh think about um you know both scorers but um yeah i do think there's something there and the more that i watch him on film the more i'm kind of interested what did you think of the tournament? And I'm curious if there was a player just in the few games that they played, um, maybe shot up a little bit in your estimation, just like, oh, okay, this guy came to play and he brought it for him. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a good question. Um, I mean, I thought it was an interesting tournament. It was nice. Nice how many prospects were actually playing. Uh, you know, it was often in the past, you know, the one and done guys don't make it or they go to teams that aren't good enough or whatever. Uh, so, you know, I think it was probably – more useful um just purely from the perspective of like hey how do these guys react to pressure situations um i think that's what it's most useful for you know like anyone can have a bad game whatever we talk about you know maybe we shouldn't wait one game more than the other but it is you know a different level of um intensity and environment a lot of the time 
um, depending on where the game is being played. So um, as far as guys who I thought, well, you know, I mean, uh, in terms of what I saw in person, I'll, I'll just take it back to like to Jaden Ivy, just because I, I think it's, it's worth mentioning. Um, so I was at the early round site with Purdue. I saw them play twice and uh, this is before they lost St. Peter's, which is obviously frustrating. Um, but the game he had against Texas, uh, in my opinion, was his best game of the season. And I, at least that I saw him play. And I was, I saw Purdue six or seven times uh, in person. Uh, and he was just unreal in that game. And that, that was the game again, to the earlier point about, you know, what argument would you entertain at number one? Uh, if I had only watched that game, I would say, Oh yeah, maybe this guy, you know, we should think about it right now. Yeah. The truth is he was a lot more consistent than that all year. Um, but just, just seeing him like fought in and being a good teammate and, uh, sharing the ball and mostly making good decisions. I mean, again, you see that and it's like, man, like this guy's really, you know, got a lot of what you want. Um, and it may, it's going to make it, I think, you know, for him, uh, you know, that type of game being on film is going to be something teams really have to think about. I got a two-parter here for you. Outside of the the top four guys, Chet, Jabari, uh, Paolo, uh, Jaden, I'm going to ask you to put your GM hat on. Um, who is the one player that you are going out of your way to wanting to add to your franchise, whether it's because of his makeup, because of his ceiling, or you just you love the way he plays or, or just how he goes about uh, just attacking the game of basketball? Yeah, um, I mean, outside of those top four, I mean, my two answers would be um, Johnny Davis and, and Dyson Daniels. Like, those are the guys who I really like a lot mm-hmm. um, in terms of, I mean, with, with Johnny, I mean, I just think he got worn down by the season. Like, I know he was playing. The injuries you know, plagued him. A lot of minor right? injuries. And then, obviously, in Wisconsin, didn't have a lot else. So, he was getting, you know, he was he was being keyed in on every single yeah. game and getting hit really hard. And the Big Ten, they don't call everything. Not that they should. But, uh, you know, definitely, you know, if you just watched his first, you know, 15 games, you know, or whatever, the Purdue game where he had 37 and then the Iowa game after that he had, like, 26. And I was at both those games. Um and, you know, being there for that, and I was also doing a story on Johnny, so I got, I got to talk to him and sort of understand him a bit. And I, I'm just pretty sure he's going to be better than what people think. Uh, <laughs> just he, he's a relentless worker. He's super competitive. Um, and I think, um, you know, he's going to be interesting, A, in terms of fit, uh, but B, like, um, just, you know, maybe there's a value to be had there now where, you know, some teams are going to, you know, doubt, you know, the second half of his season, um, you know, the shooting splits, maybe there, there is value to be had there if you really believe in him as a person and, uh, you know, the early season film, which is very convincing, right? So, like, um, you know, he's someone I would have to look heavily at, like, anywhere after, you know, four, five, six, whatever, like, you think about for me. Um, and then, you know, again, Daniels, I just think, is really good at a lot of stuff. Um, and he's so young and he's really productive in the G League. And, mm-hmm. you know, guys like that don't usually flop. Um, I just, I think if it all goes really well, like he might be able to play four positions on both offense and defense. And like most guys can't do that. Um, and just, just that alone, you know, keeps him high on my board just cause I think he's going to have that type of versatility as long as he makes shots. And I think that he'll make enough. Um, the, so those two guys, I, I really like a lot. The flip side of this is who's the guy who you are not going to draft because he's going to get you fired. Yeah, um, in terms of the, the top guys, um, I think Jalen Duran scares me a bit if I were picking high. Like, yep. I just generally I don't think with standards you got to be really special, um, you know, for me to take you in the top ten. And um, you know, I've watched him play in that since high school, and I just I worry a little bit about the motor, um, a little bit about what it's going to take to like get the best basketball out of him. 
Um, I think some of like the athletic stuff with him is a little bit oversold just because his body is so good. Um, but he's not like, to me, I, I don't, I don't know if he's really going to be like a true rim protector and he's a little bit shorter than he's listed at six eleven. I don't think he's actually six eleven, So like, he's more like six, nine. So, so all those things, you know, so he's, me, so he's more Deandre Jordan. Yeah. That's probably would be a good career for him if he had that type of career. Um, but if I'm picking in the top five, like he's not particularly given the level of the other guys who are bigs and then, you know, just the, the skew towards perimeter talent in the NBA. It's like, yeah, he's someone who I wouldn't really be super interested in until you get to like the, you know, 10 and beyond. Um, and then like AJ Griffin scares me a little bit too. Like, I don't think he's necessarily going to be bad. I just wouldn't take him in the top five or six. Like um, just based off what we saw on tape, um, you know, I know he's still coming back from injury. We haven't probably seen him play his best basketball. Um, but there's just like so much like catch and hold and for him to score. And he, you know, does these dribble moves and shoots. And again, like it's cool to be able to do that. But if you're not a superstar, like I don't really want you taking those shots. So it's, um, you know, with him, that scares me a little bit. You know, he's not much of a playmaker. Um, he's got a good body, but he's not like a crazy athlete or anything. Um, and I know he's super young too. So like that, that's one that I'm still having a hard time with, um, but someone who I wouldn't want in the top like five or six personally. Who do you think Jeremy's going to end up being the biggest reach? Like who's the guy that when you talk to, I don't know, scouts, you're at these events that you think teams at the combine, the interview process, the workouts is going to ultimately fall in love with. And we kind of go, Oh, that dude went that high or that dude went to that pick. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I think there's a chance that like some of these, uh, lesser known freshmen really like sneak up, um, in a, you know, I guess after you get to like 10 guys, maybe it's 11 or 12, it kind of can go any which way. And um, I think uh, Malachi Branham is a guy who came on really strong in the second half of the year. Um, you know, a lot of people are now sort of pegging him for the lottery. I don't know exactly where I want to put him yet, but, um, but I do think he's pretty talented. Like I could see him going that back half, like late, not top, maybe not top 10, but you know, 11 to 14. Uh, I could see him. Um, I don't know if he'll go this high, but like Josh Minot from from Memphis um, didn't get a ton of love and didn't play enough this year, but like also has you know some stuff going where you know if he gets in workouts, someone might get sold on the upside. Um, and then like I'm very curious what happens with Patrick Baldwin Jr. just because he's probably gonna look good in workouts shooting the ball. Obviously had a, the weirdest season of all time, um, <laughs> but like I had him much who, higher this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you wouldn't have been the only one. Um, so those are guys who I think are you know it's mostly those freshmen who tend to be more volatile and harder harder to predict because no one I think just the level of like agreement on how good that those guys are is probably gonna be more across the board, and that's when you see those reaches or you know whatever you see someone go maybe ahead of what you might think. Poland's got a couple of second round picks and I, I have a feeling that they're not going to use both of them in the sense of developing the back end because they do have Greg Brown. They do have Brandon Williams on a two way. They do have Trenton Watford. They just converted. Uh, they'll have a two way and they'll have probably a back end roster spot. So I'd imagine they'll probably look to, if they don't drop one of those picks, they use both those second round picks to move into the back of the first round. Who do you like really with a first round guarantee kind of player? That's kind of in that 24 to, to, to 30 range that, um, is a guy that you, you maybe not at the necessarily highest ceiling, but could be a contributor early on in his career. Yeah. Um, yeah. As far as guys who like, um, like, I, I don't know if it's like, well, when you say promise, like, I don't know if I necessarily like promise these guys, but like, not necessarily uh, a first round promise, but I'm saying uh, for, I should have said a first round grade. Yeah, sure. Um, so some of the, the guys who I like at the back end of the first, uh, I really like Jaime Hawkins from UCLA. Mm -hmm. uh, I just think he's really good. Uh, he's going to do enough good stuff to like play a lot. 
Um, I like him in, in the twenties. Um, if David Roddy stays in the draft, Colorado state, like he interests me a lot just cause I, I think he's pretty good at a lot of stuff. And the, the, to me, the concerns about his size are not as big a deal. Now that I've seen him play a couple of times, mm. um, you know, those two guys I think are interesting, like potential role players. Um, Wendell Moore from Duke, people for some reason seem to be really a lot lower on him than me. Like, I think he should go in the top 20, but if he's there in the 20s, I think that's like a no-brainer. I think he's going to be a really good role player. Um, and then, like, if you get into the 30s, like, or, or you know, early second, like Keon Ellis from Alabama, I really like. Um, Alonis Williams is kind of interesting from Wake Forest. Like, you know, there's some interesting names, guys who are older who I think are going to help teams. Do you have, I, I, I got into a conversation with some buddies watching the tournament and we talked about Paolo. We talked about AJ Griffin and one of my, my friends said, Oh, it's a Duke guy. And then we started debating, like, do you trust Duke players? I'm curious. Do you, do you carry any of that with yourself? You said Johnny Davis and look, Johnny Davis could be everything you're saying, but the Wisconsin stench of how boring they are when they play basketball I sometimes can't help but uh, carry some of that, even if it's totally misguided. Do you carry any of this when you evaluate these guys of the program propping players up and or guys maybe not quite being what they are coming from those programs? Sure. Um, I mean, I try really hard not to have that type of bias. Um, but I do think if you if you just boil it down to like how have the products of this school like performed in the NBA, like honestly, I think like, uh, not to like be a Gonzaga hater, but like it's something you have to think about. Like yeah. a lot of these guys have not you're, been. You're quite talking what about you Poland, thought, who had Zach Collins, right? So yes, yeah, yeah, and it's like again, these guys have good careers and they're going to be around. But like, uh, I think there is some inflation just statistically. And I think if you just look at it like that objectively, like I think that's something that you at least think about. Again, it's not every every single player you look at differently. Um, and I, I think like another example is you could look at like LSU this year. Uh, the you know the way that they played was so you know high pressure and forced turnovers and a lot of possessions and a lot of missed shots and like you know for a guy like Tari Eason you know I just I just wonder if his stats are a little bit inflated just because there were more opportunities for those things to happen right so like and he's a player who I saw a couple of times I'm not in love with but um you know those, those type of things in terms of context yeah they definitely matter but in terms of like is there a team that I'm like this you know this is us like no there's not no yeah uh, I'll get you out of here on this one because we got the uh game start here in just a few minutes <laughs> uh <and> again <laughs> you you transitioned this for me perfectly uh Portland has, has, has said they want to get bigger, longer, stronger, obviously. And if for whatever reason they deal their their early pick that, that they that they own, but they keep the Pelicans pick because that's how something works out as far as balancing the roster, and they're at the back end of the lottery. Uh, let's say they, they somehow get a wing, uh, and they're looking more to four type. When you're looking at the Tari Eason's and the Sohans of the world, are those guys that you think they can be impactful enough early on, or early enough in their career defensively to justify being on the floor, even though they maybe struggle offensively? um sohan yeah at 11 like absolutely yes like i would be happy to come play with him like i think he i mean i'm maybe a little bit biased because i was at his best game of the season i think uh <laughs> when they when they played kansas i was in waco just i happened to oh, be okay. there uh, and i had a great seat for the whole thing it was amazing he was so good like <laughs> totally sold me uh from that game and uh, i think he'd be a great pick uh no matter for, honestly no matter who you are like he's pretty versatile and i mean he looked like he was doing like scotty barnes things like bringing the ball up and distributing and that type of stuff and he's really smart um so yeah I, th I think despite his youth like i think that stuff is going to play up a bit um because he's just you know has the iq and the length and he's strong and just i think the want to like do that play that role right away mm -hmm. um and with Easton, i just i worry a little bit more because he's not as big um and just like defensively he's not the same type of physical presence 
you know, he's built more like a wing. Um, I would not like feel secure that if I'm taking him that high, that he actually would give me like a, you know, a ton right away, to be honest. Like he's not, I would, he, to me, he's more of like a outside the lottery guy that you think about. Uh, I would not take him in the lottery. I just think there's too much, uh, too, too much like variance with, with that type of profile with him. Um, can we, can we get your, pro, your finals before we get you out of here? Oh God. Honestly, I haven't even thought about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's either that or we'll hold a gun to your head and make you decide on MVP. Oh God. Um, oh, he's yeah. going Jokic. I saw your vote. You're going Jokic. <laughs> yeah, I did. But it was mostly cause I, uh, I didn't, again, I didn't think all that much about it. Um, <laughs> I don't have, I'm not someone who has like great award stakes. Um, I mean, I, I think, I guess the Suns I do kind of believe in, like, I think if Chris Paul is ever going to win a title, it might be this year. And he probably knows that. So that probably matters. Um, considering like Steph's maybe not all the way healthy and, you know, different teams are battling different stuff. And like, you know, if the Nets go out early, like the usual suspects who are going to like, you know, ruin your life in the playoffs might not mm-hmm. be around. Like if it's a series like that, where it's kind of a toss up. Yeah. I think Phoenix is probably the best team. So I'll just, I'll say that. I think I think we're uh, it's my my you know one minute reasoning. Listen, I, I'm even my my long winded reasoning of watching the NBA games all season long still kind of but I still land on Buck Suns again. So it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's that world that I'm in. But again, hey, thank you for giving us your time, man. We appreciate it. You got anything you're working on right now? Anything you, you want to plug? Oh uh, yeah, we'll have another mock draft coming out later this week uh, that I'm oh, in the middle of working on. So, <laughs> no, so, no, uh, perfect. You know, please check that out, and um, you know. The combine is. I live twenty minutes away, ten minutes away from where they do the combine now. So, <laughs> so you'll be busy here stuff. in uh, what two weeks? Oh yeah, but at least I don't have to fly anywhere. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, hey, those, those miles matter. <laughs> you got to rack them up though. Uh, oh, yeah. Thank you for joining us, Jeremy. It's at Jeremy Wu, uh, contributor for Sports Illustrated, their NBA draft expert guru. I don't know. Do you have a, Do you have a tagline? Or are you just the NBA draft guy? Uh, I mean, technically, I'm a staff writer, hey. uh, and then you know, draft insider is what I assign myself. There you go. I, I, like, I, I, like, I was like, I don't know how to say this. So I'll just, you know, I just, you know, I assigned myself. No, I, I, no, I, I, no one complained, so I just, I went with it. Yeah. Listen, man, that's how <laughs> yeah. it goes. Uh, yeah. Again, thanks for joining us, man. We appreciate you. For everybody else out there, thanks like, time, review, subscribe, help us grow the show. Uh, if you're watching here on YouTube Live, please click subscribe button, help us grow. If you're watching the replay, click subscribe. It's free. It's easy. Uh, and remember, you can get us wherever you get podcasts, and we will catch you uh, for the live watch party for Spurs Pelicans tomorrow night, and we will see whether or not the Blazers have their pick conveyed in the Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.